The information in this podcast is current on the day of recording. It is general advice only and does not take your personal situation into account. It may not be suitable for you. Participants in this podcast may also own the stocks discussed. Welcome to Stock Take. My name is Gaurav Sodi. Joining me today is analyst James Carlisle. Good day, James. Good morning. And with us also is analyst Graham Whitcomb. Hello, Graham. Hi, Gaurav. Now, gentlemen, we are going to be releasing, I believe, over Christmas, but it might be in the New Year. So uh, somewhere along this holiday period, we're going to be releasing a list of the top 10 businesses as judged by us. But there is a little twist because one of those businesses, Graham, has been adjudicated by our members. And uh, this was your idea. So why don't you explain um, what was involved in that polling process and how that ended up? And then I think it's time for a little debate. <laughs> well, the, the five businesses that we narrowed it down to were Tabcorp, uh, Goodman Group, James Hardy, Reese, and Ramsey Healthcare. Hey, and I want to explain quickly. We, we actually picked nine of the top 10, and there's one spot left. And for that spot, those five businesses were vying for um, uh, for that spot. And then Graham had a brilliant idea. So, so sorry. I just wanted well, we, to say we, we, all picked, we all picked 10 or more uh, individually. And oh, then, yeah, so and and there was, I mean, there was a <laughs> fairly strong consensus for, yeah. the, for the nine. And then the last spot was in, you know, open to debate. So, yeah, you know, we each had our favorite. Yeah. And yeah, we needed a little extra assistance from our That's members right. to, to figure out which was the best. So we had a poll. Yep. So we put it to the poll. Um, yep. We've got the results. Uh, more than 700 yep. came through. Uh, Jeez, Reese and Ramsey. Yeah. Reese and yeah. Ramsey came out on top. They both had a 24 and 25% share of votes. Then there was Tabcorp Tab and uh, Goodman Group, which had 18 and 20% respectively. And James Hardy came in last with 13%. When will people learn, Graham? Democracy just does not work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I loved your idea. It was worth the effort, but it produced the wrong result. Well, that's, it's I guess good. that's my a, my view. I think that it's important that when you uh, sometimes when you ha are forced to make that kind of choice, then it just crystallizes the mind. And when we when push came to shove, mm -hmm. we decided maybe Ramsey was slightly better than Reese, even though it got another ten votes or so. Uh, it was the better business. JC oh, was hold on. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> well, this is what this whole podcast is about. So in this very episode, the three of us are going to thrash out these five stocks. We'll tell you the stock that we each voted for, and we'll run through uh, this list and decide how worthy each stock is. Now, JC was the was the winner. I think uh, Ramsey was declared the winner. What do you think about that? Is that I don't think that's what you you voted well, for. Well, I think it's foul play, isn't it? Didn't Reese get more votes? I mean, uh, <laughs> yes. I I'm, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. I think there might have been stuck. some um, some yeah higher oh, power. Look, they were they were very close. They were very close, mm. and uh, there were there were some question marks about double voting, weren't there, or something? I don't know. Hey, but um, yes. look, when it came to the wire, Ramsey for some reason got the nod. But, um, <laughs> I, uh, I I was uh, putting my weight behind Reese, my considerable weight behind Reese. Okay, well, the let's irony talk about is that. that I was putting my weight behind Tabcorp, and I'm the analyst for Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I had another on the list as well, James Hardy, which um, got a mention. I think it got fifteenth, but it was it was not in in really the running for the top ten for me. But it's still a very high quality business. Indeed. Well, let's talk about the the stock that you voted for, JC. You voted for what did you say? Reese was it? Reese. Yeah. Okay. Reese. Explain your decision. Why did you vote for Reese? The people's vote. 
Yeah, well, that's right. People's back. I mean, uh, Reese is is a fabulous business, um, and it's proved it over decades uh, with very consistent management, very consistent culture. It's uh, stuck to what it it does best. Um, no crazy sort of, uh, you know, it's done a few sort of little infill acquisitions and just built up to become the dominant uh, plumbing hardware supplier in uh, Australia and New Zealand by a considerable way. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's big advantages in that because uh, it, it really comes down to the cost of a plumber's time. And uh, if you can save a few hours of that, or even a few days, uh, not having plumbers sitting around, then uh, that's a lot better for them and a lot better for the customer as well. And so by having that scale, by having such a huge network, they have a very, very uh, powerful position. Regular listeners of the podcast would know from all the, the jackhammering and noise going on at my house, I've got a little bit of work going on. So I did ask my builder about Reese, and all our plumbing supplies were indeed delivered from Reese. So I asked him about it. And his response was that um, it, it was about the service more than anything else. He said that customers 30% of the time can change their minds. The fitting is the wrong one. There's something wrong with it. And with Reese, there's an absolute assurance that you can change um, your mind. The delivery is always on time. There's never any doubt about uh, the quality or, um, or the, the purchasing decision getting swapped around. It just makes the whole process so easy. That, that's right. And they've supported the store network by gradually building out distribution centers around the country. And it's the scale that's enabled them to do this. So they mm. started off with the distribution center in Melbourne. Um, then they've added them in Brisbane, Perth, Sydney, and Auckland. So, they, you know, that, that gives them this ability to, to deliver um, the stock that um, the parts that the plumbers need, mm. uh, you know, in good time. I think when they... Um, when they opened the Brisbane Centre, they estimated it would take 48 hours off supply times wow. uh, for stores in uh, Queensland and northern New South Wales. So 40 hour, 48 hours between mm. them, <laughs> you know, that's less, you know, and that's that's a huge saving. So yeah. if you're a plumber, if you're a customer, why, why would you use someone else? Um, people do, but, you know, it's very hard for them to compete uh, with Reese. Um, uh, on price or on service or anything else, and and so it's really that element I think of of the plumber's time which which creates the added value. They've they've got this scale which enables them to uh, outcompete anyone else, um, and that's enabled excellent uh, returns on capital. They're, the returns on capital are sort of up in the twenties of percent, mm. but they're subdued at the moment because of the goodwill taken on with the U.S. acquisitions. Yep. So that's. That's really pushed down the return on capital. So tangible um, capital moment. is even higher than 20%, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. The return on, on tangible capital is higher. Wow. Um, and, of course, it owns half its properties as well, which yeah. further pushes down. Yeah. So, you know, as soon as you own a property, you know, as opposed to a sale and leaseback, as opposed to renting that property, you depress your – because you're only getting a 4% return or whatever on the property. But, you know, property is an excellent um, – uh, asset, you know, it's in its own right over the long term, and and to support a business like this, it gives them security of tenure. Mm. Um, they they can do the fit out um, yeah. of the store, which is you know so well known. That this, the, that, that that's another point in their favour. The stores look so great compared yeah. to other plumbing centres, and um, and so they 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 can spend the money on that without worrying about being turfed out. 
And of and course, so they, plumbing is a sorry. cyclical business, and um, owning your own property property really lets you ride out those cycles with a lot of comfort. Yeah, that's right, and that's why you know, um, I mean, they were able to borrow a lot of money to buy Morseco, the U.S. business. So that's mm. so that's really the next leg is is Morseco yep. in the U.S. where they're um, trying to you know do all this over again. And and who would bet against them? Morseco is a relatively small player in the in the u.s but in its uh in the sunbelt states down south it's uh relatively strong hmm. and so they're trying to build up you know again that network those those same strengths that they have here hmm. and they're taking a very long-term view of it as they've always done and in, in, uh, you know that that that's another great attribute i'm always nervous to allow too much value for management because it can change hmm. in a business too much for you know quality management but with reese really you, you could certainly make a strong argument that it's been amongst the best managed businesses on the ASX over the last 30, 40 years. Oh, yeah. In um, fact, that's probably why I, it didn't get my vote because for my, uh, from my point of view, re- there's no question this is an outstanding business and one that every investor ought to have on the watch list and aspire to own at some point. But the you know is it a top 10 business for me it's it's outstanding management running and a and a well above a average business but not i don't think they're running a top 10 business i i think a lot of the returns and performance are attributable to outstanding management rather than outstanding business economics no, you see percent. the management the management just takes uh you know takes advantage they they've just maximized their opportunity but mm. the 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 value that they add and the complete, well, not complete, but uh, the, the lack now of competition because they've established such a strong position. Mm. I mean, it's almost impossible to compete with them directly, mm. um, you know, and earn anything like the same returns, um, and which gives them the, you know, the ability to further um, cement their position. So I think the business is, you know, the, the classic um, the sign of a great business is is one that, to me, anyway, it adds a lot of value and is, you know, next to impossible to compete with on the same terms. And and that's where Reese is at. And its management has really been, uh, you know, exemplary in grasping that opportunity. I think that's how I would uh, put it. Interesting. I think we, we through this exercise, I think we're going to recognize different ways we think about quality in business. Um, Graham, let's hear from you. Why did you not vote for, for Reese first of all? And then after you've explained that, I want to get into your um, your selection as well. Well, I definitely think that all of the five businesses that we wrote there are high quality. So I would say that it really did come down to kind of splitting hairs over yeah, good point. Uh, which mm. was the best. I mean, Reese is a great business and everything James said is true. So it's hard to, to argue against it, but um, I suppose it wasn't so much that I didn't like Reese. There were just other businesses that I thought were maybe slightly better. Uh, my main pick was Tabcor. I also proposed Ramsey. Uh, mm. Tabcor, I just think is, is phenomenal where Reese is still exposed to those different cyclical elements and mm. competitive elements. Tabcor is a monopoly it's a regulated monopoly. There is no competition. Uh, also requires no tangible capital at all. It just earns, it's just a cash machine, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's a very, uh, very stable 
business, at least when there's not lockdowns. Uh, but I mean, lotteries in particular is has so little variability year to year. People keep coming back. They keep placing bets. There's almost no chance of Tabcore able to lose money on those because the uh, odds are fixed in a way that it does consistently yeah. win over time mm -hmm. against the lottery players. And yeah, I think when you put all those things together and then combined with the fact that it's getting better and better, that the pandemic in particular has moved more lottery players online mm -hmm. and that requires less commission paid to news agents because Tabcorp can then sell the ticket directly to them. Uh, so its margins are improving. It takes no capital to operate an online business like that pretty much. And yeah, I think put all that together and that's a, that's one hell of a business. A lot of people, I think, would be surprised by the inclusion of Tabcorp. Every every other stock on that list, uh, we'll go through one more time, Ramsey, Reese, Tabcorp, Goodman, and James Hardy, they all, um, I think they'd all be acceptable in most people's lists. They all have high returns on capital, high margins, all the great stuff, the quantitative stuff you want to see. Tabcorp is the outlier there, Graham. And just explain to us why the uh, financial metrics don't necessarily reflect the quality that you're talking about. Well... If you look at plain things like the return on equity, that's kind of distorted over the past yeah. uh, year because they had to raise a little capital uh, during the pandemic to which paid down their debt. See, this was the one issue with Tabcorp that we've always had uh, was it's an incredible underlying business, but management that took that awful. underlying <laughs> business and then tried to accelerate it to mm. the to the max with debt. You're being and, very kind, um, Graham. I would call that management of Tabcorp um, some of the worst management on in a in a large business that that I, I think we've we've got. It's it's been awful for a long time. I'm just going to say it. There you go. Okay, carry on. <laughs> yeah, certainly management willing to take risks. And uh, anyway, so yeah, that did let the business down. It meant that the company had issues during the pandemic when this total left field lockdowns kicked in. Um, the only thing you could, I, I couldn't have even imagined their revenue falling as much as it did before the pandemic. Mm. But uh, what that meant is it triggered some covenants with their lenders and then the company had to quickly raise capital to shore up its balance sheet, basically. But if you look at the business itself, uh, it's it's still just as phenomenal as before. And it's, it has rebounded completely from the initial issues around the pandemic. I think why people don't like it so much is that it's kind of two businesses mashed together. One is the lotteries business, which is absolutely phenomenal. The other thing is the wagering business, which only makes up kind of 25% or so of the company's profits. But that is a very different company to the lotteries division. Uh, wagering is much more volatile. It's a way more competitive industry. They're up against some strong competition in sports bet uh, in particular. And, and so... It appears to be zero barriers to entry, Graham, with all these wagering businesses floating around making expensive ads. Yeah, I wouldn't say zero barriers to entry, but... Can we say low barriers to entry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just not a monopoly. So it probably wouldn't... If it was just the wagering business, it wouldn't have made the top 10 and probably wouldn't have even made this list of five to reach the top 10. No, no. Uh, but I think the qualities of the lotteries business more than offset that 25% of the company, which is volatile and competitive. 
So, yeah. so my concern with with uh, the lotteries business and mm. is is the licenses and you know if if you don't have to, to me to have a to be a high quality business you need to have your you need to own your business for perpetuity you know that's that's really where the returns are long you know long into the future compounding um and so you know the, not having control of their own how how long is the license or, or what's the i mean it's different in different states the, it? yeah it's a state by state basis uh they run from kind of the, sh- the nearest expiry, I think, is the Victorian one. That's a 10-year license. And they stretch up to 50 years, I think, for New South Wales or so. So they are pretty long dated. The average would be, I think it's around 30 or 35 or something. But 10 years doesn't get you yeah. very far, of course, no. in terms of a quality business. So you've got to presume, if you're voting for it as a, as a top quality business, you've got to presume that they'll be able to renew that license on similar yeah. terms to the existing and, and, that, and that depends on on the tax revenue, the, on the, the, their ability to do a great job and bring in lots of tax revenue for, let's say, the Victorian government. Exactly. And that's why they've kind of continued to win those auctions every time they go up is because there's this, uh, although you're right, the having to renew their lotteries is a risk and they have to constantly uh, pay up for them. But the incumbent always has this slight advantage versus outside operators uh, because they have the established distribution network, the infrastructure all in place, everything like that. So although Tabcorp does have to compete at each new renewal, they usually have an advantage over the others and so consistently win those renewals. Uh, that's how they've built up this. And that's because of economies of scale, essentially. Well, yeah. they, because they've already built out the distribution. I, just, yeah, I suppose exactly. I'm a bit biased in it because I, I remember in the UK, Camelot was the original operator of the UK lottery, which was started off in the early nineties, I think, if I remember mm. rightly. Part owned by Granada, but they, um, you know, they had the the the, the, the franchise, the license, or whatever, for five or ten years, and then suddenly it was taken away because <laughs> someone else decided. Oh, well, it might have been Richard Branson decided they'd do it cheaper, mm. and um, you know, so I guess that does happen. But I can see that they have an advantage. But that, to me, is what sort of uh, worries me. Worries me also with Transurban. For, for, I mean, you know, that's a, another business which has been on our list before. But um, yeah. and to a much lesser extent, Sydney Airport, which has a what eighty odd year hmm. years left on its lease. Yeah, Transurban. I would agree with that. The, uh, I, I don't think the incumbency advantages in toll roads are as strong as they are for lotteries. Uh, and uh, the leases, of course, are, are shorter as well. So, yeah, I, I would agree with those points for um, for Transurban. I think they become less important for for Tabcorp. For my my pick was Tabcorp as well. Um, I voted for Tabcorp, and Graham has um, outlined the case beautifully. I, I would just add that this is about as simple a money making operation as you can get. Someone in the comments actually wrote exactly the way I feel about this company. You, you actually, someone walks through the doors literally hands you over money for nothing. And I, I just think businesses don't get better than this. Um, I take your point about the um, about the licenses, but these are on, on average 30-year licenses. So you, you do get a couple of decades go at it. And um, in that time, you do build incumbency advantages that, that may make it difficult for the license to fall to someone else. Not impossible, but just harder. And the digitization trends actually make all this much better in the past, this was, um, you know, there were lots of reselling channels and uh, the lotteries business didn't quite have control of all of its um, of, of its revenue, the, the margin they had to share with, with resellers and other channels. 
all that is becoming increasingly internalized. And so the margins are actually getting better. better. So a, a fantastic monopoly is arguably getting even more profitable and even better um, from digitization. Doesn't that reduce the barriers to other people? That wouldn't digitization make it easier? I mean, that, that, that re, you know, um, you know, discounts this network that they've or the distribution they've already built out. I mean, it, it's easier to build up a digital distribution, isn't it? It is hard. It's taken Tabcorp um, a long time to build it out. And you can argue that they're still not the most successful distributor in that game. Uh, so look, it, it maybe on the margin makes it easier. Graham, I don't know what, what you think about this, if you want to chime in with this as well. But yeah, I would, I would say the same, that it yeah. does, um, by making it digital, Tabcorp's then able to, to interact with its players directly. It has loyalty programs. It can, it has all their emails, simple, simple things like that. That mean it probably that, knows that you buy lottery tickets wearing your blue underwear on Wednesdays, right? <laughs> Who knows what they know? <laughs> um, How do they know me so well? <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't buy any lottery tickets. I would like to just no, put that on. I'd right find it hilarious if you did. <laughs> or I haven't no, done for I a long either. time. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, that that does, it just improves their position. Even if they mm. lost the license in one of the states, and because these, these licenses expire at different times, they wouldn't lose it all at once. So it's not as if the company could just evaporate one day. It would be over decades, it slowly loses its position. Um, but what that means is that if it were to lose, say, the Victorian license or something like that, uh, it would be able to, it would still be difficult for the newcomer to then start from scratch, build up those client bases, build up all of the rest of it. They'd have to spend a fortune on marketing yeah. and all, all yeah. that. So... They've probably re-established those old channels, in fact, I, I would suggest, rather than trying to do it all themselves again. Yeah, I'm not sure. It'll be interesting. Yeah. For me, the, the thing that the, the downside of Tabcorp, um, look, the, I must admit the licenses, maybe I'm being a bit flippant about it, but the licenses don't um, really worry me too much. What worries me is uh, lousy management is, is a concern, and um, that's kept me out of the stock personally. Um, and then, of course, the wagering business, which is is nowhere near as good, would not be a top twenty business, um, let alone top ten. Uh, and that really does dilute the strength of of the lotteries business. But of course, um, you know, I, I think there's a good chance that 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 uh, that, that won't be part of Tabcorp in the next, um, you know, over the next twelve, twenty months, or, or twenty months. Yeah, or so, well, so. next year we might get a chance at just having a standalone Indeed. lottery operator. They yeah. they want to demerge it, so. Maybe next year it'll be just the lotteries business we get to talk yeah. about. Might be even a up, up higher on that list. It surely has to be higher on that list, <laughs> if that's the Maybe. case, especially if we get some decent management on board too. Now, let's run through very quickly these stocks that were nominated. This, the, the stock that got that final position, of course, Graham, was, was Ramsey. You're the analyst on Ramsey. This, I think this vies along with Brickworks as the uh, company with the longest unbroken run of dividend payments or dividend payments that haven't been cut. I saw, I saw a headline this morning yeah. uh, saying that about Sol Pats, so similar to Brickworks. Or maybe that was longest run of dividend growth. Maybe that's the difference. Ah, oh, yes, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, look, it's, yeah. it's... They all put out their own pitch. It'll be next, the longest run of dividends are over a dollar and five cents. It's all pretty impressive, though. But, Sol, you know, Sol Pats yeah. and Brickworks, I think they can yeah. bundle them together pretty safely. Um, yeah. But but the the, the um, stretch goes back sort of four, 30, 40 years. I think it's more than 40 years in, in the case of Ramsey. 
give us a quick uh, rundown on what makes this um, so special and does it deserve a, a spot on this list, Graham? Well, it's definitely a high-quality business. Ramsey is the uh, largest private hospital operator in Australia, and it also has pretty high barriers to entry. Uh, it is not easy to get licensed and registered to open a new hospital. And so it mainly competes against health scope and then, but even that is fairly low because each hospital tends to be a regional monopoly. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to build two competing private, private hospitals near each other. So the companies know this and they then seek out different regions to kind of dominate. Mm. Uh, so competition is pretty low in the industry. It, the main competition is against the government where Ramsey is effectively competing against the public health system. And that has been a bit of an issue over the last few years because private health insurance participation has been declining. So more and more people are choosing to use the public system. But we're kind of seeing, a, particularly during the pandemic, there's a closer relationship developing between the government and the private operators where the government has been outsourcing a lot of work, surgeries or whatnot, to the private operators because they're, the wait lists are just huge on public lines. So, yeah, we've got that balancing effect. It's a very stable business again uh, in terms of there's really not a lot of cyclicality and yeah. demand for healthcare, demand for elective surgeries, this kind of thing. The, in, again, in the, the winter, pandemic is... Would there be more hospitalizations maybe in, in winter, potentially? I'm not That'd sure. Be the only, it, anyway, that wouldn't make much yeah, difference. Yeah, I'm not sure actually if it if there is any kind of seasonal effect at all, it would be very mm. small. You might end up seeing this balance of maybe higher incidences of, I don't know, flu infections or something being offset by uh, accidents. lower accidents in the car yeah, yeah, because yeah. fewer people are on the road driving around or something. Mm. I'm not sure, but overall it's a pretty stable year for the company and certainly mm. one year to the next. Uh, yeah, and when you've got that stability, it's also got a fair bit of pricing power uh, against the insurers, not, I mean, the, the, the insurers are huge, so they push back, but the insurers need Ramsey just as much as Ramsey needs them. And so that does mean that you get these fairly steady, albeit low margins, uh, but there just isn't a lot of volatility in the business. Graham, there seems to be a bit of a battle at the moment between the insurance companies and the hospitals about how to share escalating costs. Have you noticed that as well? I know some of the insurance companies have been talking about that um, and they're being a lot more confrontational with hospitals about bearing some of the higher costs. Yeah, the insurers are in a tricky position because they have to apply to the government to raise their rates. Yeah. So they've got on the one side a government trying to keep rates low because governments aren't going to get reelected if they keep letting these high insurers put up their prices Premium. by tons yeah, yeah. Mm. uh and then on the other side there's ramsey pushing back because the actual cost of operating a hospital is rising mm. so yeah the insurers i think are the ones stuck in the middle of it but okay that's another story okay um jc what do you think about ramsey Oh, look, I think it's um, it's almost a sort of property business, isn't it? It's, uh, I mean, yeah. you know, in, in a funny way, you could, you could say that um, any high-quality property business, does, you know, could, could, could 
get into this list. I mean, you know, like Sydney Airport and, you know, I mean, you could argue that Ale Property could get into it, even though it's only got a month or so, to, you know, um, because really high quality property is, you know, I mean, it, it takes a share of, of um, economic output and economic growth. And, and you know, it's it, it, it's always going to do so. It's It's very, very reliable. And that's really what we're sort of talking about it here. Um, and Ramsey, a very specialist property, you know, operator, you, you know, it's hard to replace a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so the way it profits from those hospitals is slightly different than just charging people rent. But that's sort of how it sort of turns out. Um, but I, I suppose that gives it a little bit more going for it because it can you can run a hospital well or badly in a way that it's hard to run a pub. You know, mm-hmm. or you know, or something else, or, or or even an office, well or badly, you know, um, and but you know, so it's a very high quality business, absolutely no doubt. Not a lot of growth, but that's fine. Not, you don't need a lot of growth. You just need, uh, I think, you need to, to be a high quality business. You need to at least be growing in line with the economy, which I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, you would um, think that Ramsey does have, even though it it can't. I mean, the growth isn't going to be crazy in any one year, but it does have very persistent tailwinds of the yeah. aging population yeah. higher utilization rates of theaters that, this kind of thing that they they are strong tailwinds even if it's not um gonna shoot the growth up 20 percent in a year or something like that for a different type of business yeah so i think you persistent. need to be you need to be yeah persistent growth um at least in line with the economy preferably above and returns on capital obviously would have to be attractive um, you know, at, at the lowest level, sort of in the teens, for for the for the safest business, I suppose. Mm. Um, and so it's all a question of safety and all that sort of thing and risk. I mean, it's a, a stock I have owned in the past briefly, but mm. um, uh, or fairly briefly for me. Um, it, uh, I'm not. I don't own it now. I mean, I might do if it got a bit cheaper. It, you know, it's a it's a it's a fabulous stock, uh, but not nearly as good as Reese. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would also agree with that. It, for me, this is not as good as Tabcorp or as good as Reese. I'm concerned about the international portfolio a little bit. I find the operations sprawling. I think hospitals are, I agree exactly with your sentiment, um, Graham, that, that these are very localized regional monopolies and running a whole series of hospitals all around the world just makes, I don't think management is bad, but it, it the task of management is so much more difficult when you're when you're running an empire of hospitals rather than uh, hospitals in in a region or in even even in a country, I think that makes the task a lot harder. And I think you can see that from the returns in the international portfolio, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Graham, have not been as strong as the Australian portfolio. Well, yeah, they're international. The the Australian one, they do have a an, a bigger advantage here. They've got a larger share of the market, uh, and they've just got better established relationships with all kinds of either industry or governments or whoever it is, their international operations, they're slightly different healthcare systems in most cases where it's competing, yep. say in France, it's competing against a lot of uh, not-for-profit hospitals, which mm-hmm. then causes, I mean, that's very difficult if your competitors don't want to make money. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, they're different dynamics in the different regions, but I think overall it's done a pretty good job with the international expansion, uh, particularly given those hurdles. And there are economies of scale to being a hospital operator. You can push back more on consumable purchasing or on all kinds of things. So that advantage does carry through 
their international portfolio as well. Okay. Well, JC, you said something very interesting about um, any high-quality property business could make it on this list, and indeed we have another one, Goodman Group. This is one, a bit of an orphan in the intelligent investor universe because we've, I think we've all kind of had a look at it, but I'm not sure who's covering at the moment. JC, I'm going to stick with you. Well, we don't, we don't cover it. We don't cover um, it at the moment. But we, we keep an eye on it. Um, you know, it, it, it's, uh, look, it's performed phenomenally well. Hasn't it? Yeah. Um, Especially since it, the GFC. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's right. It got into a bit of, bit of, yeah. bit of trouble then. Um, uh, but, you know, just about scraped through and, um, and, you know, is now reaping the dividends and, you know, it demonstrates the, um, uh, the value of industrial property and, and the increased uh, reliance, I suppose, of the modern economy on distribution. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, the, the trouble is it's insanely complicated. Yeah, I agree with that. And, I, I, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly struggling now because the last time I looked at it in yeah. detail was about a year ago. Yeah. And and you sort of, you know, you, you, you make your assessment and you decide no, and then you um, and then you move on, and then you just got to, when you want to look at it again, you've got to spend a day getting to grips with it again because, mm. well, my memory is not big enough to hold all that in, in it. Um, and that my problem with it, 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 it always looks fantastic. Mm. But there are just a few red flags, and and to me, it just is slightly um, fleecing its investors. The, the returns it makes, it's a bit like a sort of Macquarie right. sort of model um, right. before it changed. You know, the satellite sort of fund mm. model where it owns, mm. and and it, and it just takes a little bite out of those funds it runs uh, at every stage and and look the it makes great money for its investors it's certainly not complaining um so why shouldn't it well you know that's true but but again you know it just makes you wonder whether that's uh how sustainable that is Hmm. um it's been very sustainable so far and they do fantastically well but i it just it just combined with the complexity you sort of look at that and you see um those fees uh, coming to it, and you, I, ju- I just find that a bit bit ugly. When you, you it just looks like it, it is um, earning earning quite a lot, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is which is it makes the numbers look great, but just makes you wonder, I suppose. And and wondering and sitting on the sidelines, wondering and not buying the thing has 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 uh, cost us and cost our members really. But um, there you go. You got to have red flags. You don't have to be in every stock to do well on the market. So yeah, no, I agree with that. And, and I don't think there was ever. I don't recall ever a really serious intention to buy Goodman. And I think you're right to point to the complexity. I think all of us have had a bit of a look at it, and all of us have been a little bamboozled because Goodman is both a. It, it's a it's a builder of industrial property. It owns the land um, on industrial property. It, it also manages. Um, uh, properties in, in funds, so it's a fund manager as well, and so at every at any every stage, it's earning revenues from development, um, from leases, and from from fees, and following that revenue through is quite a complex task, and they don't make it easy for you either. They don't. I don't find the reporting particularly easy to to follow, and and that's probably why I've certainly never owned the stock, and the reason for me has been complexity. Um, the good side of Goodman, JC, as you've covered, is the operating complexity. So Goodman is is at simultaneously a builder of industrial property, 
um, a developer of industrial property, an owner, and a uh, sort of a, a fund manager as well. So all those revenue lines are quite distinct. As you know, it, it takes it takes rent, earns management fees, development fees, um, and the, I don't feel the company does. It doesn't make it easy for you to really understand the accounts. The, the, the numbers are quite difficult to to run through and to follow through the whole three sets of accounts. Uh, and so that's that's probably kept it off my own personal buy list. And it's the reason I don't think we've ever advocated strongly for it inside Intelligent Investor. But that's not to take away from the actual asset quality here, which is outstanding. So I've had a little bit to do with Goodman because I cover Brickworks, which owns a joint venture with with Goodman um, on its property business. And I think the property business is, is the best part of Brickworks. I've been saying it for years, and I think the market's finally recognizing that as well. But um, uh, from, from covering that, it's clear to me that industrial property, there is a, there is a shortage or, or there's, a, there's a scarcity of optimal industrial property because the, the location is super important. Um, it has to be um, on, on uh, particular freeways. It, has to, it needs access to particular um, logistics and transport hubs. Uh, it has to accommodate large and increasingly growing uh, truck fleets on both ends. Um, so if you look at what, what they're building with for Amazon out in Western Sydney, it, it is quite a unique piece of property that not any piece of land could accommodate. And I, I think increasingly a lot of technology goes into the warehousing as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. So, you know, does, they, yeah. they, 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 you, this is definitely something you can do well or badly, and they definitely do it well. And these and, are hubs um, now as well. Yeah. So they have yeah. um, sort of fiber coming through. So, so it's not just – you can't just pick up any sort of big empty block of land and build industrial property there. There are now dedicated hubs that kind of uh, work and are centralized where truck routes and, and rail routes and logistic plans run through. And a lot of them are actually controlled by Goodman, which is uh, a leader in this field. And it's really difficult to actually find a a competitor that can dislodge the company now, as long as it remains well managed. And and the the founders actually sort of said that he's run the business with too much debt in the past. He's avowed debt um, for the future, and it's been superbly managed since the GFC. So this is quite high on my own personal list. I will just point out the complexity, as as you did, JC, and, and that's the reason why I didn't get my vote. But Graham, um, what do you think about it, um, and uh, and why don't you own it? Yeah, the complexity reason is the thing that would hold me back from it. If you look at the individual uh, properties, they all look good, but I yeah, I don't understand. I mean, it's highly priced as well, isn't it? You yeah, know, actually, that's a good point. We so, forget so, about the price. It is. It is. I mean, never, it, it, when uh, we're talking about not, owning it, but 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 if we yeah. but it, it, when we're talking mm-hmm. about as a quality business, then mm-hmm. obviously the price isn't the point. Yeah. 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 yeah Graham, you'd much rather own a sprawling uh, hospital empire rather than a sprawling <laughs> industrial empire. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Uh, now the final stock on this list. I'm just going to remind myself what it is. Like, James second. Hardy. <laughs> there it is, James Hardy. Yeah, I thought you'd remember that one, JC. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is one that I quite like personally, but um, Graham, let's begin with you this time. Um, why is it on the short list? Uh, why do you like it? I don't know much about it. <laughs> this <laughs> is not the right. Stock. Okay, not yeah. Graham Stock. You I... want to talk to me? <laughs> yeah. let's, let's turn to, to your, your namesake, uh, JC. Let's, let's go. Uh, well, James Hardy, of course, um, makes the uh, um, makes the fiber uh, 
uh, sheeting. That, take take uh, notes we, here, Graham, for next time. Ah, <laughs> the sheeting. <laughs> that we all see on our houses, yeah. That scribbling um, sound you hear is Graham. And of course, it got into its asbestos problems way in the past. Mm, There's some mm, complexity in it. Uh, like, <laughs> well, that's right. Uh, look, I mean, um, uh, you know, that's a long time ago. That's mm. a different management. That's a different, almost a different company. Almost and, a different company, and, yeah. You know, it, it, it eventually was forced to put its hand up. I, look, I don't even know the detail of how that worked out, but um, there's a fund that it pays into to pay compensation, and uh, so some of its profits, a lot of its profits, go on that um, at the moment. But uh, the underlying business is incredibly strong. It has uh, a position in the market, which you know it, it's able to make this sheet. It's a, a, extremely um, uh, effective. Uh, you know, it's it's got great properties. The uh, as a as a sheeting. Um, in terms of you know fire retardants and insulation and all the things you want it to do, weather resistance and all that, um, and so it's a fantastic product and it's been gaining market share and it keeps doing so. And they it, it, it's quite difficult to make and they make it in a way um, which uh, you know th- they know how to make it cheaply. Um, and uh, so look, it's a fabulous product and it's gaining market share and I would expect that to continue. Uh, the one problem with it, in my mind, is it's almost. I mean, look, there's all all kinds of different fiber boards, and mm. um, they've got gypsum products now as well, uh, particularly in Europe. But the um, the the problem with it is that really it's in essence a one product company. If someone came out yeah. along with it with a different kind of sheeting which did all that better, mm. um, then uh, I think that they would struggle a bit. Mm. Um, so so that's what. Um, what I don't like about it—that's the only thing. It, it, it's just too uh, the threat of substitution, I suppose, in the in the Porter uh, language. Um, mm. There's nothing on the horizon at the moment, so I'm probably jumping at shadows. I mean, it's a high-quality business. We we frequently um, say so in our articles about it, but um, it just—I uh, mean, I think it, I, I think I, I gave a list of fifteen just in case there was, you know, well because. I had them on my list, <laughs> and it was sort of it was somewhere in there, at thirteen or fourteen. I mean, it's a high quality business, but not quite the top ten for me. Yeah, I must admit, this was not on my top ten that I submitted either. But I, like you, JC, it, it is a high quality business. I have I run a sort of a short list of stocks that I want to buy. James Hardy is on that list, even though it's probably outside the top ten. And yeah, look, I don't have much more to add. You've covered the strengths of the business well. It it owns the fiber cement market that that's gaining rapid market share and it's maintaining 80 percent market share of this growing uh, segment and that's what's really surprised me i've seen this company in the past at much cheaper prices at much cheaper multiples but never bought because i expected it to attract more competition for a business that has a lot of assets on balance sheet this generates enormous returns and i just expected that would encourage competition Maybe it has, but that competition is completely ineffective and they have walked away with uh, a lion's share of this growing well, market. And the new uh, sort of uh, one of the parts of the new strategy, which they seem to be um, conducting pretty well, is to market directly to homeowners. So yeah, in, the, um, in, mm. in, in you know, the repair and renovation sort of market, they, mm. um, they're marketing directly to homeowners. The homeowners are beginning to specify the product. So the James Hardy, so they're beginning to get a bit of brand value. Is yeah. the point. They call the, um, I think they call this the Intel inside strategy. Not they call it, but it's known yeah. as the Intel inside strategy. Yeah. For obvious uh, reasons. Uh, yeah, that's right. And um, so, 
look, I'm. It's a great company. Long, long runway ahead of it. Yep. Um, we we like it. We've got pretty um, high price guide on it. <laughs> it's very yeah. expensive these days. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, we're we're holding on as best we can. And um, but I think not quite. Just because to me, it's a little bit of a one product company. That worries me less than it's a heavily cyclical business. And I'm not sure you can have a truly wonderful business that is heavily cyclical as well. Uh, well and- I think as long as, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not worried about cyclicality. As long as you don't, as long as you manage it and don't have too well, much debt, correct. as long you as you make enough it. money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, as long as you make enough money across the cycle. Um, but you obviously, manage your balance sheet. Yeah, if, if, if typically companies don't, <laughs> and so, yeah. or a lot of very cyclical companies don't. So uh, it, look, it's well, we've a problem, seen huge but, um, ups and downs in James Hardy over the years, and um, I, I think you get it. You get a shot. I mean, I must admit, the current management and the previous management have been outstanding. But I think you do get shots at buying this at yeah, relatively yeah. cheaper prices. I guess the question is whether we're talking about quality businesses or whether we're talking about quality companies. Quality companies encapsulates mm. the balance sheet, whereas quality business doesn't actually mm. uh, bring the balance sheet into it because you're talking about, you know, Good the point. enterprise rather not rather than how it's financed. But yeah, Graham, have you scribbled some notes? <laughs> yeah. Ah, so fiber cement, you say. <laughs> Came last on the vote, the customer vote, the, the, the mem- yeah. member vote, 30, and by a long 30%. Way. Yeah. yeah. I wonder well, if that's actually, what only, it, actually, last place was half of what the leading yeah. uh, stock was, which I'd like to say was Reese. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it's quite interesting that the last place, 13%, Reese got 25%. Mm. So it's actually quite a lot. The, the votes were very well spread, is, what, is mm. the point I'm making. That's right. Well, I was actually Sorry. surprised by the opposite. I was thinking that, oh, they all got. I, I would have thought that um, one in particular would just be miles ahead, but they all, particularly, maybe not James Hardy. So oh, that's, much, that's but... the point I was trying to make. So the votes were well spread between the five of them, not not mm. a big range, as it were. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so quite a narrow range. Yeah, of, of which the, I guess reinforced why why we, the analysts, had difficulty picking between them. Yeah, yeah I think indeed. They are just all good businesses. All right, now that's probably a perfect time to end. Um, so we're going to have the top 10 businesses special report released before christmas and that'll be accompanied by uh podcasts on each stock where most of us and i'm only on one of those podcasts but all those stocks will get discussed um we're going to squeeze in one more podcast before the end of the year and uh we're going to do our customary um end of year wrap gentlemen so we'll prepare for that other than that i think we are done anything else to add jc graham not for me thanks Gore. wonderful Wonderful. Just to say All cheerio, right. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, JC, thank you for, for joining us uh, today. Pleasure. And Graham, as always, for popping in from Canada. Thank you. And for everyone else, thanks for listening. 